Today, the best way to bring up the conversation with mom and dad to prepare yourself for that day, if it comes, when you need to step in and help them with their finances. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. Studies have shown, and we've read the articles, and we know it to be true, that it's mostly daughters or the wives who are the ones to step in and take care of mom and dad as they get older. So... If we are the ones acting as caregiver, then we are the first ones who will pick up on the signs that mom and dad might need someone to step in and help with their finances. So this is just another reason why it's so important to have an understanding of what's going on, to know exactly how to help mom and dad. That is why we invite in our favorite elder law attorney from Harris Beach, Lisa Powers, joins the podcast every month. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sandy. So it's true, right? It's usually the wives. It's usually the the girls in the family. It does tend to be that way. I certainly experience lots of sons and husbands who really are wonderful caregivers. Sure. But yes, you're right. It does tend to be the daughters who end up taking this on. Which is another reason why that we have to have knowledge about finances. Absolutely. Because if we are the ones that are going to step in and take care of mom and dad, we got to be aware. Right. And you're juggling so many things in your own life that if you get dropped into the situation, it's almost like being dropped in a foreign country with no guidebook, no, you know, no foreign language dictionary. Like, oh, now what do I do and how do I maneuver? The first hurdle Mm -hmm. is to have that conversation. Always. How do you approach it? Because a lot of parents, it, it's like giving up control in their eyes and right. admitting that they're getting old. Right. Because obviously the whole aging process can be really frustrating. It can be scary, especially if there's any kind of dementia component or you yeah. start to have the physical limitations. So it's a huge change to come to grips with what's happening with your body and aging because, I mean, we've talked about it. You, you kind of stop at a certain point. If someone asks you how old you are, you know, you have to think yeah. about it sometimes. Oh, like, oh, <laughs> my kids correct me. But you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I think part of it is being sensitive to that fact. Right. And also recognizing that if you charge in like a bull in a china shop and just say, I need to know, yeah. you probably aren't going to get too far. You might, depending on the family relationship, but usually more of a softer approach is a little bit easier. And, you know, I told you today I had a number of things that I thought should be covered. Do not attempt to tackle all of the information that you want in one conversation. I mean, you could, but I wouldn't recommend it. I think you'll end up frustrated. It could lead to an argument. Um, You know, this is these are emotional topics. Are there certain words we should use like I don't know. Do you put the onus on, hey, Ma, do this for me? I think you have to know or have a sense of what motivates your parents. You know, some parents themselves are so about their children. You know, they'd open a vein for them. Those are the parents that you say, look, I really need you to help me because I'm worried that I won't be able to do this. And that tends to ease the conversation along. And then I think for people who do tend to be more in control, Mm -hmm. you recognize that. And you start from a point of, I know you're you're already doing this. I want to make sure that everything is in place the way it should be so that should something happen, yeah. we've got a backup for you so that 
mom isn't left in the lurch. You know, she's never written checks or paid the bills. I don't even know if she knows where things are or vice versa, you know, but, but we see that a lot in traditional families where the father, the husband has really managed the finances. And of course, you know, and then the wife has managed the household finances, right? I mean, you know, we joke about it. Like the guys can't go to the grocery store because they don't know where anything is. Right? <laughs> right, you have to give right, them a list. And right. obviously I'm oversimplifying, but yeah. it's that kind of thing where, you know, you have these division of responsibilities and just approaching it to say, look, we we know that this is important to you, even if we haven't really talked about it yet. But yeah. could we sit down and just get a sense of where things are and what your wishes are? Because we want to make sure that they're followed. We don't know. We've never had these conversations. Yeah. And you start this the earlier, the better, actually. Absolutely. When when everyone still has capacity, when people are healthy, you know, frequently what prompts it is there is a health scare. You know, someone has a fall. Yeah. I remember when I was in my 20s, my mom slipped on the ice and broke her leg. And at that point, I was able to come home and help out for a little bit and, you know, really just grocery shop and clean the house and get her to a few appointments. So my dad had a little bit of a break. And then once she was in better shape, I went back to school and everything was fine. But that was the first time that it really hit home for me that, you know what, they are getting older and she could become frail. This could have been a lot worse. So that was when we finally started talking about where things are. You know, they had always, they had always told me where certain things were if they were going on a trip. Well, you know, go in this drawer for the important papers. <laughs> but that was about all I knew, yeah. right? You're like, okay, that's the drawer where I'll find all of the magic things. And at that point, you were probably thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Now we ourselves have to take it seriously. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now you shouldn't dismiss it anymore. Yeah. Okay. So what are, and I know you said you have five things that five. you really need right. to work on. Right. So, so now's the time if anyone's <laughs> thinking, go grab a pen and oh, a yeah. piece of notepaper. Absolutely. Um. These are not in any particular order. So, like I said, I wouldn't recommend trying to tackle all of them in one conversation. Kind of see where you are. Sometimes there's been a news story, you know, frequently what prompts these conversations, if it isn't something personal to the family, you know, we see something about a celebrity on TV when someone suddenly passes away. You know, we've had a number in the past couple years, you know, Prince comes to mind and you hear what that mess is with the finances and things. But it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It can just be someone who unexpectedly had an accident or passed away. And then now what? Because no one knows where anything is. So I think you brought that up before. Mm-hmm. If you say, even if you have to create a story, oh, my coworker, her right. mother, da, da, da. I'm exactly. concerned. I don't want to be in that same situation. Exactly. Ma, let's figure this out. Right. Because sadly, it is all too common. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, and and that's really what gets a lot of these conversations started because you don't want to be in the dark. If there is a problem, it's just exacerbated if you don't have any information on how to deal with it. So starting point, I would say, is talk to your parents about long-term care preferences. Have they thought about moving out of the family home? You know, most people will say, absolutely not. You're (laughs) not getting me out of here. I'm never leaving. I built this house. Well, yeah. And, And of course, there's that huge emotional attachment. I do think it's generational. I mean, I love the house I live in. I'm not that attached to it. You know, okay. once my kids are out, we're gone. We're we're moving out of that house. I want something different that's easier to clean, right? Oh, sure. Right. I'm ready that's to downsize important. now. 
Um, so now when you say moving out, do you mm-hmm. mean like in any... Yes. The, not so the not starting, necessarily straight to the nursing home. Because no. my mother would think it's like... go to And that's what a lot of people think. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's just talk about, you know, if something... One, there's the downsizing, like, oh my gosh, it's just the two of you and you're in this big five-bedroom split level and you're both having mobility issues getting up and down the yeah. stairs... And then what do we do? Because all the bathrooms are up on the top level. And if something happens, where are you going? This is not probably the ideal place to age forever. So would you consider moving into a senior community? Would you consider moving to a patio home or something else where it's more manageable? Um, Maybe it's not as much work for you because there's a homeowners association. And so all the outside maintenance is taken care of for you. You know, what would you think about? And some people are adamant. They love their neighborhood. They, they like where they are. They need to be near the grocery store. You know, yeah. I'm staying here. We'll make modifications. But have the conversations. Do it while everyone's healthy. Do it before you need to do it. Yeah. Because that's, that's the sad part that I see in my practice too often. You know, people, it's not yet. Not yet. It's not time. It's not time. We'll deal with it later. And then what happens is someone ends up in the hospital and you've got this outside professional who really doesn't know you or your family saying, you know what, it's not safe for them to go home. They can't go home. And now those choices have been taken away and you really are looking at that higher level of care. Okay. So, so that can be really heartbreaking. So just start having the conversations. And this one in particular is something that you tend to have over time, over and over again, because. And their wishes may change. Exactly. Their wishes may change. Their health may change. I see a lot of people where, they say, okay, we're finally ready to downsize. And then one spouse becomes ill. And so instead of moving to that patio home, now maybe they're actually looking at moving into a community where one spouse can get some additional care, Matt, that they weren't thinking about when they first had the conversation. Yeah. So luckily in Rochester and in, in most you know areas in the country, if it's not too rural, there are options. It's not just your house or the nursing home. There are lots of in-between options there. And you said, and I mm-hmm. think the last time you came in, you were talking about find that community that you can move up, right? It, it starts assisted living, then it progresses. Well, it starts independent. Or independent. Yeah, independent. And then many now have assisted living. Some have what are called, at least in New York, enhanced assisted living. You know, and then usually there, sometimes there'll be an affiliation with a nursing home. Okay. So you really, once you're in that community... It's, it's easier it's, to move it's up to the easier. Next it's a more seamless pl- process. Um, they'll actually have social workers on staff who try to get to know you. And that way, if there is a problem, they can also help advocate for you if you need okay. to move up. Again, it's trying to make a difficult situation better. That's an easy to do right yeah. there. Just to and, open up the conversation. And for people who say, nope, I'm not leaving my house. Well, a very real question is, are you willing to have someone come in and help take care of you? Would you allow aides to come in and provide services? But some people don't want strangers in their house, mm. right? And if you don't necessarily have that tight-knit family and friend community or church or temple where there are individuals who would volunteer to come help out that you'd be comfortable with, you yeah. need to at least plant the seed that then this may not be an option. Because okay. realistically, if your care needs change, you can't be independent. And none of us want to think about that, but it's yeah. it's a conversation to have. Okay. So then that kind of tracks into, all right, so we sort of talked about 
where you would want to age, ideally at home, what do you have in place that'll help you do that, right? Um, what finances are in place? Would you share with me where your accounts are? You know, so not necessarily ask for numbers, right? That right. is very uncomfortable for it, right. Yeah, yeah. starting Just point. Where is where everything? is it? Like, where do you do your banking if you don't know? Do you have a financial advisor? That's one of the other points. So the so moving on. Point two is finances. You know, okay. we know you have the house. Are you both on the deed? You know, how is it titled? If you're comfortable, is there a mortgage or a home equity line? Because this is where, if they're willing to share with you, you want to get a sense of, are there some potential problem areas? Do you have a financial advisor? Is everything with that particular person? Or do you have a couple? Because a lot of people are very afraid of, you know, I don't want all my bags in one, or all my eggs rather in one basket. So yes, I gave the financial advisor my retirement funds, but I'm still investing over here on my own. Um, You know, are they holding share certificates for stock at home? Because that could be an issue if they get lost to do. They have savings bonds floating around. You know, you can find these little pockets of things. Uh, One thing that adult children can do that is not invasive of their parents' privacy, you can go to the unclaimed funds site at the New York State Comptroller and just search by name and you can find out if there are unclaimed funds. It's a good thing to do for yourself, too. Okay. So, I mean, we do that routinely when we're looking at planning for folks or if we have to file for a Medicaid application. We're forever checking unclaimed funds. Just okay. in case. These people do move around. And and if you know that your parents lived in another state, maybe one of your parents, you know, traveled for work. And so they were they were based, you know, in the last 15, 20 years somewhere else. It's worth checking. Okay. Okay. Check the other states too. Okay. Especially for our snowbirds. I often find things down in Florida because they'll have a Florida bank account or something. Oh, I'll, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the mail is so bad that sometimes you find like dividend checks random things it might not be much but you might find something right okay trying to identify where the finances are and get a baseline is a really good starting point because then as circumstances change and perhaps if your parents start dealing with any kind of dementia issues at least you have a good idea of where things are and you're not completely in the dark Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and how to pay the bills Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, just very basic things like how to pay the bills. Yes. And who do you owe money to? Right. This kind of goes along with the finances. What do they have for medical insurance? You know, again, depending on age. So most seniors will have Medicare. It's okay to ask, do they have a supplemental policy? Who's it through? Do they use, you know, one of the major providers locally? Mm -hmm. Or is this coming through, you know, someone else who's just a national organization because of who their former employer was? Do they have long-term care insurance? Mm. It's not something that's always talked about. And again, you can say, look, we're doing this for ourselves. You know, we're getting our stuff in order because we're going out and buying more life insurance for the kids in case something happens. Do you guys still have life insurance? Did you ever? You know, do you have long-term yeah. care insurance? Okay. You can make it about you and say, I'm not trying to take over. You don't have to give me details. I just want to know if you have it and where I should be looking in case, God forbid, you know, or seeking advice. What are you guys doing? Because right. I want to do, do you have some, right. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for advisors to work with multiple generations. Third would be medical preferences. These is are, the yeah, these one. are the tough ones. Okay. Right. And again, this is where very Gosh, often if something's like, on the well, news. This is easy. OK. Yeah. So now we're getting into tough and, conversations. And again, this is something that's really fluid. You know, at this moment, what are you thinking? How do you feel? Would you I don't know. You see all these Horrible stories on TV. Would you want a feeding tube, mom? Dad, do you want to be intubated? Do you? 
this is something that I, I always recommend. Talk to the doctors, talk to the other medical providers. Like say, what does this really mean? You know, I hear about a DNR. What does that mean? You know, oh, okay. if, I, if I don't have a DNR, what do they do? What really happens when you resuscitate me? So now when you know this information, though, mm-hmm. you know mom's wishes, how do you, how are you able to act on that? Is that where the healthcare proxy comes in? Or? Yes, you're leading okay. right into my fourth oh, question. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so what you need in New York is a healthcare proxy that says, this is the person I'm appointing if I can't express my wishes to my providers. That's the healthcare proxy. Name's an agent. Then you can have what we would call living will language that really talks about what your preferences are. What do you want for treatment or what do you not want? I don't want a feeding tube. I do not want to be resuscitated. I don't want to be intubated. You know, and there has to be some common sense there. So it's frequently we will see I'm naming my agent and you just see language that says, and my agent knows my wishes. And that's where you have to have the conversations so that you do know the wishes. And that is suffice. And it suffices because as long as you've appointed the agent, I think it's nice if you can give them some guidance in black and white. If, you know, if I'm working with mom and dad, I say, look, this is my standard language. You review it and tell me if you're comfortable with it. Go have conversations with your medical providers. I'm a lawyer. I'm not in a, you know, I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I was never trained. I just know what I see and I have my own personal thoughts. But my job is to put in black and white what your wishes are. Another thing that goes along with this are, you know, do you have burial preferences? Do you want a traditional funeral with a casket and to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? People don't talk about these no. things. No, it's, yeah. And and as an adult child, it's very uncomfortable. It's like, I am not in a rush for anything to happen to you, but I want to honor your wishes. Now, what happens when you have siblings? Do you name just one person or multiples? Essentially, yeah. I always say it depends. It really does depend on the family, though. So, and again, this is where, you know, if mom and dad can voice their wishes and even better if they can put them in black and white, then there's something that's independent. It's not, you know, the oldest daughter saying, well, mom and dad told me and we're doing it. Yeah. Right. Because that often happens. Yes. And when you've just lost a parent, that's when emotions are Mm -hmm. really running high. And that's where it can just become incredibly ugly. Or you have to make a quick decision. The doctor's asking you, what are we going to do? Yes. And it's heartbreaking if the conversation hasn't been shared with others. Because you'll have the one child who maybe is geographically closer or just has Mm -hmm. always been around that mom and dad have confided in that person. And the others don't. And they're looking at you suspiciously saying, well, I don't know if they really said that to you or that's just you Mm -hmm. being selfish wanting to do this. When you say have it in black and white mm-hmm. in the healthcare proxy, can you get that from your doctor's office? So what right. holds up? Anyone can create a healthcare proxy. The doctors typically have them in the office. Those are really bare bones and they will just have that big blank in the middle of the page that says, you know, unless I fill it in, my agent knows my wishes. Okay. When you're working with a private attorney who's actually drafting the healthcare proxy for you, that's where we have the conversations. Oh, okay. And And again, I would say I put in fairly limited what I call living will language for most of my clients just to try and give some sort of guidance. But common sense always is meant to overrule. You know, certainly if someone says that they don't want a feeding tube, but they're in an accident and they need the feeding tube to be able to recover, you put in the feeding tube. It's more the idea that if someone has a chronic disease and in the final stages they are going to lose the ability to eat and they say, I don't want a feeding tube then. okay, fine. Okay. 
where it's and not you just can't a make blanket. A decision unless it is in writing. What happens uh, if there is no? So if there isn't a healthcare proxy in New York, we have the Family Healthcare Decision Making Act, and so that allows relatives to, to step in and, and confer with medical professionals and be able to make appropriate okay, choices. That's where the fights ensue. That's where okay. the fights ensue. So again, it's always better to have even a bare bones healthcare proxy in place. There's also another one, um, and I think we've talked about this before, Sandy, called the MOLST form. It stands for Medical Orders for Life-Sustaining Treatment, and that's one that you do in the doctor's office, and that actually becomes a medical order that goes into your chart. Oh. So you do that with the providers. Okay. So so I kind of look at that as the gold standard, but that um, the statute that created that says that it's specifically for people with a terminal illness or a chronic condition. So you don't find the primary care physicians necessarily bringing it up to every patient who walks in the door. Ah, okay. But it's something to be aware of. And you can certainly ask to have it done. It just requires a longer appointment. To the extent it's possible, This is, I always tackle these things when I'm in the car. Oh, they can't get away. <laughs> they can't get away. <laughs> certainly some of the medical conversations, if you have that ability, you know, if you think about it, just like when we talk to our kids, it's a great time because they're not, you're not looking each other in the yeah. eye. Yeah. You're sort of paying attention and... There's not that confrontation feeling. So I I think the car is an excellent place to have a lot of these conversations. And I I think I've shared this one before. Local phenomenal doctor, Pat Bamba, um, is very much at the forefront of end of life decision making and making your wishes known. She shares regularly that she makes her family have these conversations around the table at Thanksgiving. You can't have your pumpkin pie until you've talked. Oh, God. Would that be the worst time to have these conversations? Well, I think it definitely inserts a little bit of levity, right? But it's also everyone is there. Everyone's there. You know, so it's kind of oh, funny. Like, ha ha, you can't have your dessert. We're going to have this okay. conversation and then you get your sugar. <laughs> then I'll give you the sugar. Or maybe the booze. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Depends on your family. I think but... we did that before. We maybe. Conversation. I, I'll leave that to the individual family. Not making a okay, comment. Okay, okay. But especially today when everyone's all over the place, really the holidays are the only time you can often get everyone in the same room. So we've talked about long-term care preferences. We've talked about finances and making sure, you know, trying to find out where things are. Talked about medical preferences, you know, making sure you put them in place. Now you want to know, do they actually have legal documents in place, right? Like the healthcare proxy. Is there a power of attorney? Okay, you know, let's who, spend some time on okay. this. Power right. of attorney means what again? So you can have different kinds of powers of attorney. I'm talking now about a financial power of attorney. Okay. And you want a durable power of attorney, meaning it will last if you become incapacitated. That's the whole reason for doing it, because you manage your own affairs while you have capacity, right? You pay your own bills. You yeah. make your own investment decisions. You're living your life. You control the money that comes in and out. Um but if something should happen where physically you can't write checks anymore, you might want someone to take that on for you. You're still directing what's happening. You just physically aren't writing the checks anymore. But you can direct that agent to do it for you. Or what we commonly think of is if you start to lose capacity and can't manage your finances anymore, someone you trust should be able to step in in that role and do it. Now, if you don't have a power of attorney, mm-hmm. what happens? There are a couple midway points. If things if things haven't been handled properly, it's not uncommon for parents to add the name of one child onto a bank account so they have access. So if you want to think of that as what I would call a limited power of attorney, they have access over that one account so they can pay bills out of it. Pay bills. But if you don't do any of this, if you don't bills do bills are not getting paid? Correct. Wow. 
And so you could find yourself the subject of what's called a guardianship proceeding in Supreme Court. And again, in New York, that would come under mental hygiene, Article 81, mental hygiene law, Article 81. Um, and that's where you actually go in and petition a judge oh, to say okay, that a process. Then. It is. It's a process. It's expensive. It's technically public. I, you know, not that I think people are running down to the courthouse to see what's happening, but yeah. it's something that you can do very easily by hiring an attorney to put your wishes in place, keep it private, name the people that you want. If things really fall apart in a guardianship proceeding, you could find yourself having an agency managing things for you as opposed to a family member, right? Because if you've got those siblings who are fighting, Mm -hmm. the judge may say, "Mm, I'm not picking one of you over the other. I'm going to appoint an independent third party to manage things. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we need a power of attorney. You really do. Easy. Sign somebody to it. Okay. Yes. I don't recommend the DIY forms you find online because they may or may not work when you need them to, and they may or may not have the powers that you would want, but it's still better than nothing. So until you can get in to see an actual attorney who knows what they're doing and will set it up for you, that may be a backstop, so to speak. Okay. Better yet, just... Call an elder law attorney and get it done. Have the, Sit down and really have the conversation because chances are if you don't have your power of attorney or you have an outdated one, chances are your wills are probably outdated or you've never had one. Good time to get that taken care of and do the healthcare proxy too. Most attorneys will do it as a package. I personally don't like to do one-off documents. I'll usually refuse to do it because if someone calls me and says I need a power of attorney, that usually means that something else is going on yeah. or at least they're ready to have the conversation. And I say, well, why don't we talk about everything so yeah, that we know sure it's you're all buttoned exactly, up. Yeah. exactly. I don't want to simply prepare a document. To me, that's irresponsible. If an attorney just says, "Sure, tell me who to put in the document and come in and sign it," yeah, we have a duty to investigate what's happening and make sure that the needs are being met. So, you personally, I bet you have a folder, right? Like we all should. Mm-hmm. That if I kick the bucket folder, <laughs> ready to go. I never called you? it that. We call Which it yours. Called we call. We have a nice name for it, Sandy. We call it your estate planning portfolio. Oh, jeez. <laughs> really? Well, we actually give you a binder. We, we give you a big binder that has everything oh, we've prepared. House. Yeah, I have, I have my own estate oh, planning you, portfolio. Oh, you that too? I told well, you, it's, listen, this is it's the, the binder. die folder, okay? So, <laughs> so get all these documents in right. the binder, whatever you want to call it. Yes, or for some folks, a filing cabinet. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, in somewhere. In one spot. In one spot, right. Okay. And I'll just give a plug Again, locally to Lifespan here in Rochester, they have great financial tools and workshops for folks who are trying to take this on. So and I would not highly for profit. They're not I mean, for they're profit. Your best they're, interest. Oh my gosh! Work. Yes, okay. and Lifespan runs the New York Connects program locally. So if you're looking online, New York Connects is statewide, um, but Lifespan actually is running that here. So it's a perfect coordination. Okay. You can get so much useful information there. And then the only other place I would recommend considering that consumers look is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. It's naela.org. They have lots of great resources as well. And then how do we reach out to you though? Harris Beach, H-A-R-R-I-S-B-E-A-C-H.com. You have my email to put in the show notes so we can give that or feel free to give me a call. 585-419-8869 is my direct line. You will get me or my voicemail. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandy. Lisa Powers from Harris Beach Elder Law Attorney. If you need anything else, anything clarified. (laughs) 
If you want Lisa to sit down at the Thanksgiving table with you guys, <laughs> facilitate all this. I work for food. <laughs> Next week on the Seven Figures podcast, a little refresher course on what we need to know, the basics. What's a Roth 401k? How is it different than just a regular 401k? It's a Roth IRA versus an IRA. What's a CD? What's an index fund? We'll break down the basics and make sure that you are maximizing everything possible right now to ensure that you will build wealth and be able to retire comfortably. That will be next week with Erica Cummings, CFP, VP at Morgan Stanley. I will talk to you then. And in the meantime, you have a fantastic weekend and we raise a glass and say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.